You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas is continuing his series on New Testament characters, now looking at the life of Joseph of Arimathea. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. You're listening to Old Testament Character Podcast number 32 on Joseph of Arimathea. Some of these studies we're doing cover major men and women in the Bible, others minor. But even though Joseph of Arimathea is a minor character, he is found in all four Gospels and was also the subject of great interest and speculation in the early centuries of Christianity. In the second and third centuries, for example, there were traditions of Joseph in Britain. And so some British Christians looked to him uh, with fondness. In later legend, he's tied in with the Holy Grail. But this is not what interests us right now. What we care about is what the Bible says. It's Friday afternoon. Good Friday. Jesus has died. He's on the cross. It will still be two more days till Easter Sunday. And what is happening during those heavy, pregnant, doleful two days? When I did the preparation for this study... I surprised myself because I was expecting minimal detail in each of the accounts, but I didn't realize how much unique detail there is in each account. We really need Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for a composite picture. And so originally I thought, I'll just read Mark's account. It seems to be uh, the longest, or maybe John's, but I'm going to need to read all four. Let's begin in Matthew 27. I'll make a few comments, then we'll go to Mark 15, and again to Luke 23, John 19, and then we'll see how this might apply to you and me. Matthew 27:57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate, and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Well, in each of these four gospel accounts, there are details that don't appear in the others, and I'm not going to try to cover all of them. But here, in Matthew's story, this is the shortest of the accounts, we learn that he's a disciple of Jesus. Now, you don't get that in Mark. You don't even really get that in Luke. Only in Matthew and John. He's a disciple of Jesus, And we also see that he puts the body of Christ 
not just in a shroud, a linen pall for the corpse, but that it's clean. And maybe that's significant because Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels and they're the most, the Jews are the most concerned with ritual purity. I don't really know. But here you have the picture that Joseph is acting alone when he goes to Pilate and that he puts the body or has the body of Christ put in this tomb, which is his own personal tomb, and then that Joseph rolls the stone against it and departs. Now, if you've seen first century tombs, you know what they look like. The stones are flat disks. They're easy to seal, easy to push the rock, but once it locks in the groove and gravity does its work, it's very difficult to open. Well, that's the picture we have here. He goes to Pilate, and Pilate was not normally in Jerusalem, but only at times of significance or potential trouble. Normally, Pilate was in the northern town of Caesarea, or Caesarea. Caesarea was on the Mediterranean, but in the in the times of the feasts and uh, possible political troubles, Pilate would come down to Jerusalem, and that's that's why Joseph is able to meet him. Now let's go to Mark's account. We're in Mark 15. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him at a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now this is the longest of the accounts. Here we learn that he's not just a disciple of Jesus, he's a member of the council. That would be the Sanhedrin, about 70 Jewish elders, greatly respected, and who more or less uh, governed, as much as the Romans would allow, uh, the, the Jewish people. And so Joseph's, Joseph's not only a member of the council, but he's respected. And we see here in Mark's gospel, Actually, we also see it in Luke's gospel that he was looking for the kingdom of God. I'll resist all temptations to explore exactly what that means. I think more significant are the following words where it says that Joseph took courage and he went to Pilate. What he did took some nerve, and especially because he was a member of the council. He had something to lose. So, He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's respected. He takes courage. And here, and only in Mark's gospel, do we learn that there's a bit of a delay. He doesn't just go to Pilate, and Pilate says, whatever, take the corpse. Pilate wants to verify the death of Jesus. And so he has the centurion, the one who was in charge of the detail that oversaw the execution. He has the centurion confirm it. So Joseph, I imagine, is waiting um, outside. Uh, Pilate is 
himself waiting for the centurion. He comes and finally uh, he gives permission to Joseph to get the body. Okay, now let's go to Luke's account, which uh, is quite short. Now there was a man named Joseph. This is in uh, Luke uh, 23:50. He was from the Judean town of Arimathea. See, Luke tells us that he's from the south, not the north. He's not a Galilean like Jesus and the others. He's from the south, southern. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. Here we have a comment on his character. And then this, I think, is significant. It says that he had not consented to their decision and action. And he's looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. So, in this account, as in Mark's account, we don't see that it's Joseph's tomb. We don't get that. We get that in Matthew, that you know, Joseph is is uh, investing himself in that way, but but only only in Matthew. So we're in Luke's account, and we see he's from Judea, the south. He's righteous, and maybe most significantly, that when all the debate was going on, what to do with Jesus, and perhaps. This is referring to the, the trial, that hurried trial, illegal trial for you know, a capital crime, that, that he hadn't gone along with the decision. I, I don't know if that means Joseph was present that evening or not. Uh, that, that is the Thursday night when they were secretly meeting. But either way, whether present or not, he did not sign off on the decision to turn Jesus over. Uh, he had no desire to see something bad happen to his Lord because he was a disciple, although Luke doesn't tell us that. Isn't that interesting how you really need all four Gospels? And usually in the Bible you don't. You can get a very good picture from just one or two, but here you really have to put them together. And now finally, John's account. And I'm in John 19:38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So all four accounts are set on Friday, the Sabbath is about to begin. It will begin with sundown, although the observation begins a little bit before that time. But, and it lasts from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So here we have Joseph. He's a disciple. But these intriguing words, secretly for fear of the Jews. When I myself was a young disciple and very bold, very evangelistic, I remember once some religious person I was talking to was justifying the timid by saying, well, 
you know, you could be a secret disciple. People don't have to know. And that made me very uncomfortable. And when I learned that that's actually uh, how Joseph was described, I reasoned, well, he wasn't saved or, you know, he didn't have enough courage. Perhaps I was interpreting too much there. You know, how much should we make of the secrecy? I mean, and was it a complete secret or a surprise? If he had spoken up and didn't go along with the decision, that wasn't uh, wasn't a, a complete secret, even if he was holding his uh, uh, cards close to, uh, close to the vest. And also, the fact that he went to Pilate shows great courage. It says he was a secret disciple. And although part of me wants to condemn that, there are a couple of reasons I think I've revised my, my views. And, and one is simply that I've been in too many countries where Christians have to be secretive to an extent because otherwise they'll just be arrested or executed. And you can, t- you can say they're cowardly because you know, they should just tell the police, go straight to the police and tell them we're Christians and then be executed. That wouldn't really go along with Jesus' teaching because in the Gospels, the Lord said, if they persecute you in one town, flee to another. In other words, although we need to be courageous in a sense, uh, we don't need to run to uh, our persecution. Jesus says, run away from it. Don't take me wrong there. Blessed are those who are persecuted. But Jesus says, they persecute you in one place, move on. There's ministry to do. There's work to do. And another reason I've revised this is maybe just all the years I've been a Christian. Am I a secret disciple? Well, if people know what I do with my time, they know, you know that's no secret. But I'm wondering, how public do you need to be to be right with God? Now, some of you may take great comfort in these words if, if you're a quiet person, but I'm afraid others may take comfort in what I'm about to share, more because you just don't like to share your faith. And maybe there's a part of all of us that doesn't like to. Let me give you an example. I was on a flight on Friday. I'm recording this on a Tuesday, okay? Friday, I was on a flight. I flew next to someone. Actually, I, I was squeezed in between the emergency exit, you know, between the door. I guess all the doors are emergency exits, aren't they? And uh, two other people, and they seemed to know each other, and they were talking, and, and I talked with them a bit, but I didn't share my faith, and I didn't feel great about that, but I didn't feel terrible about that either. You know, I was, I was quiet. I was ready to pursue conversation, but they didn't really seem to be giving me much of an, an in, an opportunity. So I didn't really share that much. But on Sunday, when I flew back, I and usually when I'm flying back, that's the time I tend to be quiet. I, I was chatting with someone in the boarding area. We were talking about the Lord. I shared my faith with someone on the plane. He, his seat was assigned. He was sitting in a certain row, and they moved him, I think, 28 rows. So he ended up sitting in the same row as me. We had a great talk, a very direct talk. Uh, I had a, a copy of my new book that had just come out on heaven and hell. He said, wow. I said, you want it? He said, do I want it? And he read three chapters while we were flying. We talked about his girlfriend. I was asking him very direct questions. I mean, it was, it was not only enjoyable, rewarding, fun, that I, you know, I felt more alive. I felt less tired after that. Well, so that was Sunday. Monday, I shared my faith with several people. But today, Tuesday, 
I don't think I've shared my faith with anyone yet. And the sun is starting to set. So what does that mean? That I'm a secret disciple? I think sometimes we make too much of the public aspect. And I fully believe we need to share our faith. One of my books is on evangelism. I, that, that's just vital. But maybe we're a little too obsessed with measuring things. So there's no hint in the Gospels that Joseph of Arimathea is condemned any more than there is a hint that Nicodemus is guilty. Now, this is interesting. If you haven't listened to the Nicodemus podcast, I would encourage you to do that because they have something in common. They both meet together uh, in the matter of taking Jesus's corpse. That detail is found only in John. But what they have also in common is that they're high level, they're prominent people who have something to risk, who, at least by the end of the gospel, by, by the you know, Passion Week, are, are really coming out into the open. It's a bold thing to go to Pilate. Presumably this was in, in, uh, in, you know, in the knowledge of others. The sun is not yet set. You know, Nicodemus met, met uh, Jesus at night. These guys are going in the late afternoon. It's uh, not only a bit risky, it was a matter of public record. <laughs> Obviously, we have it in all four Gospels. And so, this man was a disciple of Jesus, secretly for fear of the Jews. Sometimes temperament, or maybe it's strategy, maybe it's danger, may dictate discretion or require us to be very careful. Um, and you, you may say, well, if he was louder, uh, not so secret, if he had s stood up, he could have stopped the crucifixion. Not that we would have wanted him to, in a sense, because that's how we were all going to be saved. But he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of that council. And apparently uh, couldn't stop the decision. He didn't go along with it. He was a dissenting voice. Now, that's something for you to think about. Joseph weighs in. He's not alone. He has Nicodemus. John's uh, gospel also mentions the spices and even the weight, which tells you that I don't know what the Lord weighed, but when you added, this is in the English, uh, uh, 75 pounds in measure. So in pounds, maybe the Lord weighed, I'm just guessing, let's say 140, 150. So this is not a light package. And they, they put him in the tomb, uh, a fresh tomb, which according to Matthew, no one had ever used before. <laughs> and even the Lord didn't use it very much. He only needed it for a couple of evenings. So, what do we learn from Joseph? Is it the significance of taking care of the bodies of the dead? Did you know Joseph of Arimathea is the patron saint of undertakers? I guess that's probably no surprise. Certainly that's not the significance. That undertaking is a noble profession. I'm talking about the spiritual significance here. There are different ways to take a stand. Although we need to uh, desire to articulate the gospel and put the gospel in words and probe and talk and, and, and stand up and be counted, there's more than one way to take a stand. And sometimes the deeds speak very loud. And I think that's what happens in Joseph's case going to Pilate for the body of our Lord and also dissenting and not going along with the crowd, even those respected and prominent men.
So we learn from Joseph perhaps something of strategy and certainly something of courage. And as mentioned before, he was invested. He took his own tomb. He wasn't saying, well, I'll, uh, I'll take a stand as long as it's comfortable, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. No, he, was, he, was a, being, he was willing to, to donate a, a piece of, let's just say, very prime real estate, that close to the center of Jerusalem, although it was outside the town, but still that close, that, that was valuable. He takes a stand. How about you and me? Do we invest ourselves financially and emotionally? And are we men and women of courage? Not just in things we can say. Sometimes talk is cheap. We can say something. But are we taking risks? Are we putting our reputations on the line? Are we willing to act as boldly as Joseph of Arimathea? I hope I will. I hope that's the way I'll be the rest of my Christian life. God bless you as you continue to listen to this series of characters of the New Testament. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on New Testament characters. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.